Romans 3, verses 9 through 18. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery marks their way. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So today we are continuing our heresy series. We are looking at a few of the top heresies that exist in the church and in our culture today. And and some of these have existed since the church began. And they go away and they come back or they come back in different ways. But a heresy is a denial or rejection of a long-held truth or belief of Christianity. It is a rejection of truth. And we talked about this last week. We live in a culture that actively questions the truth. Our culture rejects long-standing institutions, including the church. So we live in this world that is constantly trying to figure out what is right and what is true. This mentality has infected the church. Our churches are filled with many who don't know what we believe. Like I said, this can partly be attributed to the culture. We are part of our culture. And this whole idea that there is no absolute universal truth has certainly made its way into the church. But another reason heresy has infiltrated the church is because we haven't taught the faith. We failed to teach what it is that we believe. And I say that as a pastor to myself and to other pastors. We haven't properly and routinely taught the foundations of the faith. We have to do a better job of that. So last week we talked about how Jesus was more than a great teacher. And Jesus was not a creation of God, even if we say that He was the first and greatest creation. Jesus was not those things because Jesus is God. Jesus has always been and will always be. We believe in one God who revealed Himself in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is God. That is the truth. So what's our truth for today? What, what, what heresy are we dealing with today? Well, I mentioned last week that LifeWay Research did a study back in March. and It was one that included people from all over our country. And they were to simply answer if they agreed or disagreed with various questions and statements about faith in God. And here is one of the questions that they asked, and I want to address this morning. They asked, do you agree or disagree with the statement, everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature? 65% of people who answered this question said they agreed with it. 65% of people said that everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. 28% disagreed, 7% were not sure. Alright, here we go. There really isn't any other way to address this without going right into it. 
I know why so many people agree with this statement. We want to believe that people are good. We want that to be true. But, this statement that is really two statements in in one can't be true. If one part of this statement is true, the other can't be. Here's what I mean. If everyone sins a little, then most people are not good by nature. By definition, sin or sins is not good. Sin is missing the mark. It is missing the mark of God's plan for our lives. Sin is disobeying God, living our lives contrary to the way God wants. So if everyone sins a little, most people are not good by nature. In fact, all people. Or flip it. If most people are good by nature, then everyone can't sin a little. To be good is not to sin. So just to be clear, everyone should disagree with this statement. And there's several reasons why. First, everyone sins a little. A couple of things we need to address with this statement. The problem that most of us have when looking at sin or talking about sin or the way we think about sin is that we focus on the behavior. We focus on sins, plural, or the act of sin. It's what we can see, sort of put our hands on. But we must realize that our sins are a manifestation of our sin. Our sins are a result of the state of sin that we live in. We're all born with a sin nature. When we read Genesis 3, the story of Adam and Eve and their disobedience against God in the Garden of Eden, from that moment on, all of humanity was born into a state of sin. That is our nature. And we can see this from our own experience. Parents, I don't know about you, but I didn't have to teach my children to take another kid's toy. Did you? No. I had to teach them not to do that. I didn't teach my children to say no. Yet that was one of the first words they said. Most kids are the same. I didn't have to teach my child to lie. I have to teach my children not to. We are born into sin and with a sin nature. Our sins, our sinful behavior, are a result of that sin nature. So no, everyone doesn't sin a little. You either sin or you don't. There's no sinning a little. We're all born with sin in us and a part of us. As Paul states in our passage, For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. We're all under the power of sin. So that doesn't make us sin a little. It just makes us sinners. But here's what we tend to do. Because we're human and we like to rank things and compare things, we we look at sins, the outward expression of our inward sin nature, and we rank sins. We rank them from least to greatest. We say this sin over here is not as bad as this sin over there, or that sin is really bad, but this one over here, eh, not so much. For instance, let's take a look at, at a passage from Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. Paul gives us a list of sins, or as he calls it, the acts of the flesh. He says this, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, 
idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. So what do we do with a list like that? Well, whether we realize it or not, in our minds we rank them. We rank the sins. We consider some of these not as bad as others. For example, out of these 13 or so acts of the flesh, we might consider factions as the least sinful of them all. We might not even think that's really a sin at all. We lump dissensions with factions and those aren't that bad, right? Sure. Then maybe after that, selfish ambition or maybe discord, one of those. Again, not that bad, right? Then we get a little bigger with envy and jealousy, then fits of rage and hatred. Not good things. Idolatry and witchcraft have to be next. We're getting to some big ones. Impurity? It's kind of vague, but it doesn't sound good. And then you've got to put debauchery and sexual immorality somewhere around the worst, right? You know, we have to focus on those sexual sins more than any. So those are at the top, the worst. Hopefully you sensed a little bit of my sarcasm. So I think we did a good job. That's a good ranking of sin. Looks good. Sounds good. Except, Paul says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. Paul would later write in this chapter, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is sin. There's no ranking of sin. It's all sin. It's all bad. It's all below the glory of God, and all of it makes us, by nature, not good. You see, when we talk about most people being good by nature, we must understand who is defining good. We aren't the ones defining good, though we try. When we rank sin, we will inevitably rank sinners. We compare each other. If there is a 1 to 10 scale of sin, there's a 1 of 10 scale of sinners. We begin to compare goodness against each other. It, it all depends. Surely, surely we're all good people compared to Hitler or name any other serial killer throughout history. Of course we're all good people compared to them. And, and I guess... That's where the word most in our statement comes to play. We can all clearly pick out the bad people in our lives and throughout history. But in our eyes, most people are good. I mean, when it comes to comparing sinners, just look at our, our presidential election. Most of the arguments I see, especially between Christians, sadly, are arguments about which one is the least bad. How awful is that? We're willing to die on the hill that our candidate's not as bad as yours. Don't you see how unworthy we are to judge who is good by nature? So thankfully, our eyes aren't the ones defining good. That belongs to God. It's God's glory that we have fallen short of. It's God's standard we have not met. And so when we start to realize this very crucial point, we start to understand that none of us are good by nature. None of us. Paul says in verse 12, quoting from various passages of the Old Testament, All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. 
None of us are good by nature. Again, one of the verses Paul's quoting is Ecclesiastes 7.20. It states, Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. You see, our statement from the start simply is not and cannot be true. You can't sin a little without sinning a lot. And because we're all born with a sinful nature, none of us are good by nature. Humans are not good by nature. So now that I have beat you down and made you feel the size of an ant, is there any hope? Is there any good news in any of this? Well, I think so. I think it's incredibly important to know the truth, even when the truth hurts. And for some of us who walk through life thinking that everyone is pretty much good, to hear otherwise might hurt a little. And there's a chance that no matter how much Scripture I throw at you, you probably won't accept it. But knowing the truth is half the battle. When we know the truth, we then have to learn how to live with it. And here's how we live with the truth that humanity is not good by nature. We must realize that God has done something about it. God wants to restore our broken humanity. God wants to see us as good. You see, if we go all the way back to Genesis 1 and creation, we see God speaking and creating, speaking and creating. Seven days of creation. Well, six days of creating and one day of resting. And after each day of speaking and creating, taking nothing and, and putting it, making it into something, God looks around and sees that it was good. Day 1 through 5, God speaks and creates and then looks around and sees that it was good. But then day 6, God creates living creatures on the ground and God made humanity, male and female. And God made us humanity in God's image. And at the end of day 6, God looks around and sees what He has made and He calls it very good. Not just good, but very good. I don't know, I think that's something special. Humanity was seen not just as good, but very good. After all, we were made with the image of God. Now, some just want to stop there and say, that proves that we're all good by nature. And that'd be a nice thought. But then, as I've already mentioned, there was the Garden of Eden. There was Adam and Eve disobeying God, and it was at that moment that the image of God we were made in became broken. Sin became a part of our lives. Of course, there are some that want to stop there in the garden. They want to say that humanity is forever broken. We're forever sinful. We can't be restored to the very good status of Genesis 1. But here's what I want you to hear. God has made a way. God wants to restore us. God wants to break the power of sin in our lives. So God sent Jesus. And it's through Jesus that we can be restored and be made right and good in the eyes of God. Paul would write just a few verses after ours in Romans 3, 21-22, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Paul's saying that only through faith in Jesus can we be made right or good in the eyes of God. We need a Savior to break the power of our sinful nature. And that is what Jesus does through our faith in Him. Now those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, Christians, know that we, we still sin. We still fall back into our sinful nature. However, now 
It's a choice. Before Christ, the power of our sinful nature doesn't give us a choice to sin. That's how powerful our sinful nature is. But when we put our faith in Christ, that power is broken and we can choose not to sin. But that also means we can choose to sin. So often, those of us in the church, we fall into this trap and we say, Well, I'm a sinner. I couldn't help it. Well, if you're a true Christ follower, then yes, you are a sinner, but you're a sinner saved by grace. And that means that the power of sin in your life has been broken. We are free to choose not to sin. We are free to choose to follow God fully and without any hindrance of sin. In Christ, that sinful nature is broken. In Christ, we aren't powerless over sin. We have the Holy Spirit, God's very self, living in us to guide us. When it comes to sin in your life, don't ever say you can't help it if you follow Jesus. You absolutely can and you must. Through Christ we are free. We're free from sin and its power. And through Christ we are able to do good. We're able to do things that bring honor and glory to God. So no, most people aren't good by nature. In fact, all people aren't good by nature. We're all born with a sinful nature, a nature that goes against what God desires. But that was not God's original design. He saw all humanity as very good. And through faith in Christ, God wants to restore all of us. If you've not put your faith in Christ, I invite you today. Trust Him to restore you to God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Only through Jesus can we be made right with God. And if you're already a follower of Christ, remember that you have the power. Sounded like He-Man for a second there. But you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you to not only resist sin in your life, but to do good that honors and glorifies God. God, through faith in Jesus, has restored you and is restoring you to a right relationship with Him. Do not choose sin. Choose to follow Christ. Remember, I love you. God loves you. Amen.